Back Porch, we have your co-host, Matthew Trollinger. How's it going? And your other co-host, Cruz Chavez. Dude, what's going on? Dude, it's been an interesting week, hasn't it? Has it not? Man, so we didn't get to record last week because we had an... A crazy storm come through. It should have been a tornado, but Travis Myers is saying he's not calling it a tornado. It's I'm, just high winds. I'm still not convinced it wasn't a tornado. There's no reason that a 100-mile-an-hour wind can rip a tree out of the ground in my backyard. And this is a big tree. Yeah, a really big tree. And it, and it not be classified as a tornado. That just that blows, me, blows my mind away. <laughs> yeah. Or rip, rip part of the roof off the school. That's crazy. Yes. Like, my neighbor over here, like, his tree, which is just as big as our tree, if not bigger. Yeah, his tree's even bigger. His completely ripped out of the ground and fell over <laughs> onto his house. Yeah, it was a mess driving just, through yeah. town last Sunday. I actually, so I got a text message from Tyler Manning not too long ago. Actually, earlier earlier today. And uh, he said, hey, can you come out? Can you send someone out to come help me with um, weather, you know, weather cleanup, whatever? And so he wanted some guys to help out. I couldn't get any guys, so I, was, I went out there myself. Um, he wasn't out there, and so I ended up turning back around and coming back home. On my way back home, I saw, like, a camper that was completely flipped over. Really? On its side, yes. Jeez. And... Like it wasn't one of the small ones. It was a pretty good sized camper, and that just that just blows me away. Like literally, like, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting week with all the cleanup. I'll tell you what, I was exhausted Sunday night. I bet. Whew, that's some that's some real man work. I couldn't I imagine a, doing that every day. I need to uh, go ahead and say this publicly. Thank <laughs> you for cleaning up my backyard. You're welcome. Got to take care of Cruz. He was he was on vacation. I just came into town. It was Monday, and it was like our we had a three day weekend at the bank. And I get home, had no clue there was a storm at all, and honestly wouldn't have been able to tell if it weren't for my neighbor's trees laying on the ground because my backyard was clean. Like there was some stuff late left out, but for the most part, it was clean. Did you notice your big tree missing? Definitely, well, yeah, obviously, yeah, right? The, big the tree one tree gone. you have? The one tree completely gone. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a good time, I guess. It, but, yeah, no, I appreciate you. I appreciate all the guys that came out and helped. That was definitely, could not imagine doing that myself. But I just want to say, like, that's what I love about this town so much is when I got here Sunday morning, because we got here... Well, Montana had to work, so she was gone. But I got here a little later because we live 40 minutes away. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got here, everybody was out. Like, you couldn't – I mean, you couldn't hardly drive down the street because there's so many trees everywhere. Right. But, like, aside from the trees, even in the afternoon, once they had all the roads kind of cleared off, you still couldn't drive down the road because there were so many trucks everywhere of people just out helping. and Like, the whole town, whether they had damage or not, was out yeah. helping somebody. That is the coolest thing. Like, we were heading from Branson, and I didn't know this about PSO. Uh, that's our electric company. I don't know if they're like, I'm pretty sure they're a nationwide company. They have to be, right? I think they're just in Oklahoma. Well, I saw, the reason why I asked is because I saw electric trucks, I saw electrical companies heading this way. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought I saw a PSO from like Columbus, Ohio, heading here. And that was on the road, and like in between here and Branson. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Like guys were coming from all over the U.S. to come and help out small towns. Yeah, I, that was pretty cool. I seen, I passed one from Delaware, I think, and one from like North Carolina. They're, yeah. They came from all over the country to all come over. help clean up. Yeah, yeah. And not to take away from the people here in town, because definitely like there are guys just today, like I was talking about Tyler Manning, guys today, they're still helping out other people. And, you know, clearing out brush and cutting down trees. And it just it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. But honestly, a blessing that no one no one died. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So when did you guys get power back on? Um, we, so since I think Wednesday night. Wednesday night? Yeah. So you're out from Saturday to Wednesday? Yeah. But like I said, I mean, we weren't even here. We, that's true. We came here. We came back Monday. And so Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday. Most of the day Wednesday. So. That's not too bad. No, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, there's a lot of people that didn't didn't get it back till like Friday or Saturday. Yeah, like I heard people got it back like yesterday. That's crazy. Yeah, that just blows me <laughs> away. We were very fortunate. We were only out. Let's see. It went out early Sunday morning when the storm came through. And then Sunday night, we stayed at my parents' house because their power was already back on. Yeah, that's what I heard. And then I went home. I don't know what time it came back on, but I went home Monday after work, and it was already back on. Nice. And the house was already cooled back down, so it had to have been on for a while because um, I, yeah. I keep my house an icebox. So <laughs> <laughs> it had to have been on for a while to get all the way down to 67 or whatever it was set at. 67 degrees, dude. That's cold. I don't like to sweat in my own house. I get it. 67 is freezing, though. <laughs> well, and I don't know what it is about our house, but, like, in our bedroom, we don't get very good flow. Because mm, okay. it's not, like, the whole other end from where the unit's at. I hate that. So, yeah, so it's like you go in any of the other bedrooms in my house, and it's freezing cold. And, like, even with the vents shut, you can just hear all the air trying to push through. Yeah. And then you get down to my room, nothing. Nothing. You can just barely feel cool air coming out. So well, I have to set it at 67 for it to be like 70 in our room. For all your for all your guests that sleep over, I mean, they're staying Oh, they're probably cool. freeze to death. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my roommate stays pretty cold down there. You would think that they would build houses to where they it would accommodate the master bedroom and the master bathroom. Right? Like that Not would be number other. one priority. Right. It's my house, like mine as well, right? Yeah. Not our house, though. The little five-foot-by-five-foot storage bedroom (laughs) has more airflow than anywhere in the house. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Makes no sense. Okay. So today um, we had guest speaker Todd Dixon, and um, he spoke in the past. He spoke twice before, actually, and he's done an amazing job. And so he spoke today, and I've noticed a pattern about him. He's going over prophets in the Bible. And honestly, I love the fact that he goes over prophets because they're people that that you probably read about, but you don't really hear a sermon about too much. Mm-hmm. Um, That's kind of what I thought just like today with this message. Like this is something I would have probably just read over and not thought too much about. I would have yeah. definitely not thought into it enough of like, hey, you can make an entire sermon out of this. Absolutely. 
And so he goes in and he speaks about Jeremiah. Um, and what's really interesting, though, is because next week I'm actually speaking over um, Elijah, and who's another great prophet. And so honestly, it's a pretty cool thing that, that I'll get to follow up with his message with another great prophet. So just to kind of dig into um, Jeremiah, he goes over Jeremiah chapter 38, verses 1 through 13. Um, I was pretty confident he said 1 through 28, but maybe he just said, maybe he said that on accident. But we're going to read verses 1 through 13. Do you want to read that for us? Yeah. It says, oh, man, you gave me the hard part. <laughs> now, Shephatiah, the son of Matin, Gedaliah, the son of Peshur, Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Peshur, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah was saying to all the people, Thus says the Lord, He who stays in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes out to the Chaldeans shall live. He shall, he shall have his life as a prize of war and live. Thus says the Lord, The city shall surely be given into the hand of the army of the king of Babylon and be taken. Then the officials said to the king, Let this man be put to death, for he is weakening the hands of the soldiers who are left in this city in the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the welfare of this people, but their harm. King Zedekiah said, Behold, he is in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Malchiah. The king's son, which was in the court of the guard, letting Jeremiah down by ropes, and there was no water in the cistern, but only mud, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. When Abed-Melech, the Ethiopian, a eunuch who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the cistern, the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate. Abed-Melech went from the king's house and said to the king, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they did to Jeremiah the prophet by casting him into the cistern. And he will die there of hunger, for there is no bread left in the city. Then the king commanded Abed-Melech, the Ethiopian, Take thirty men with you from here, and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. So Abed-Melech took the men with him, and went to the house of the king, to a wardrobe in the storehouse, and took from there old rags and worn-out clothes, which he let down to Jeremiah in the cistern by ropes. Then Abed-Melech, the Ethiopian, said to Jeremiah, Put the rags and clothes between your armpits in the ropes. Jeremiah did so. Then they drew Jeremiah up with ropes and lifted him out of the cistern. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard. Okay. So. First off, do you know what a cistern is? I'm assuming it's a well. It's similar. I didn't know what it was, so I looked it up. Okay. And it's like, it's basically for holding, so like a well is dug super deep, and it finds the water in the ground, right? Finds the running water deep below the surface of the ground. A cistern is more, it's bigger around, and it sits close to the top of the ground, and it collects rainwater. Mm, okay. So it's kind of so like a big, it's kind of like a big holding tank for rainwater. That makes sense, okay. Which is why it was muddy. Yeah, it was dried up and full of mud. So okay. I guess it hadn't rained in a while. <laughs> That's my, yeah. Which, okay, so, 
here you have Jeremiah, and uh, Jeremiah was considered a very young prophet. He was also considered the weeping prophet. Um, so there was a lot of, I mean, even during during his time, and then, like I said, next week I'm speaking over Elijah, um, which is an earlier prophet in, in the Old Testament. These prophets are not loved by people. Mm-hmm. Um, and at times, they they... They just butt heads with kings in Israel, whether you're king of Judah or king of Israel or other kings. And so this guy was butting heads with the king of Israel. And so he wasn't all that, um, like he, he was a great prophet, but still, again, not many people liked him. Um, it said, I wrote down here, I said, uh, during, during his time, there was, a, there was a weak king, Zedekiah. His plan was to surrender and not fight, but to give up. So kind of giving some backstory on that. Um, Todd went in a little bit about um, the background of, of Israel during this era. Uh, there were several kings that came in, came into the kingdom, and um, many of them were not all that great kings. Many of them were not following after God's own heart. Not many of them were... Um, were there to serve the Lord, but they were there to serve themselves and to, and to honestly just serve their own kingdom mm-hmm. is what it was. And so Jeremiah confronts each of them and telling them to correct their ways. And um, instead of you know them listening, these kings hate being told what to do. So what do they do? They throw Jeremiah into a cistern. Uh, they throw him into this uh, well, so to speak, and he's stuck there. And he read, uh, Matthew read earlier, that there was a famine in the land. And so if no one else is getting food or if there's, if there's barely any food there, then more than likely Jeremiah was not getting any food at all. And he was just going to starve to death and die. And so you have this guy whose name is, um, his name is Ebed-Melech. Now, this is where the important story comes into play because like we were talking about earlier, you can just easily read over this guy and just think that the, that the story is about Jeremiah. But today's story was not about Jeremiah. Today's story was about Ebed-Melech and it still has everything to do with God, but how God used Ebed. Ebed was an Ethiopian eunuch and during this time, like it doesn't matter what generation you're in. doesn't matter what country you're in. You're always going to have some sort of um, discrimination. You're going to have some sort of uh, racism. And I think the Old Testament really highlights this right here because it mentions where he's from three times. Now, it does that for a reason. It does that because it's trying to point something out that is not common, something that stands out to the, to the reader. And so for Ebed, he was an Ethiopian. And during this time, Israelites didn't really think highly of the Ethiopians. And, and so here you have this, this eunuch who um, basically comes to the rescue, and God saves him. And so that's kind of the summary of where we're going. And then, and then here in a minute, we're going to, uh, give you some pointers. So, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, just well. The only other thing I wrote down before we get into that was, 
Like you were talking about the the kings before Zedekiah, and including Zedekiah, that these guy these kings were not very good rulers, and they were very weak minded and weak in character. And I liked what Todd said. He said, uh, weak leaders not only hurt countries, but also hurt innocent people. So not only is he, is this man bad for his country, but he also is getting, getting innocent people hurt in the process of, you know, his retaliation or whatever, because he's weak-minded and, say, easily angered and lashes out. Like, he's not a strong leader. He's not a good king. Yes. So um, there, are, there are a few things to, to note here. Um, the first thing to note is God uses those of the low to show how great he is. And we've seen this several times. We've seen this with Abraham. Um, Abraham was, was a no one. He, he, at first, God just, it almost seems like God just picked a random person. And uh, he chose him and said, you are going to be blessed I'm going to give you many children, as, as many as there are stars in the sky, and as many as there is sand in the sea. And he does. And it was through this small man that this great nation comes, comes from, you know, this one man. And then you see the same thing with Joseph, and um, I'm blanking here. He mentions Joseph, and he mentions um, Jacob, and he mentions Moses, and he mentions, like, all these other great people, all these other great names in the Bible who, who honestly had no business, you know, confronting kings. They had no business uh, parting seas. They had no, no business um, saving Israel from Egypt because they were a nobody almost. Mm-hmm. You know, they were these, the lowest of the low. But God raises up these people. And it's not for, I think they for sure benefit from you know God using them because you're walking in God's will and so you're going to receive benefits from that you're going to receive it receive his provision his protection his love his grace his mercy i mean there are so many things that go along with like if you live according to his will and just be, are in our obedient to him but the story was never about these people mm-hmm. like it has everything to do with God's might because our job here on earth is to worship God or to know God and make God known. That's it. And because it, it's all about it's all about him. Like we should want to worship him, we should want to um, to praise him because he's worthy of that. And so God uses those of the low to show how great he is. You have anything on that? Yeah, I mean we can look at Paul. Like even though Paul wasn't necessarily a nobody, like Paul's not somebody you would look at and say, "Oh, that's that's a man that that's the guy that's leading people to Christ." Right. You know that <laughs> that is the man right there. If you look at Paul before he was Paul, you know what I mean? Like he's that's yeah. that's a good example of their. I mean, he people uses afraid of he Paul. uses people that you least expect. Yeah. To prove his glory and Absolutely. shows his power. Like how how you can take a man who's literally killing Christians and then turn him around completely 180 to yes. where now he's leading people to Christ. Yes, I I noted something here at the end, and I was gonna wait wait and save it till later, 
but I just I'll go ahead and plant this seed now um, because I believe I believe it's important and it plays a huge part in who we are and who God designed us to be. So like God never changed. Like yes, He changed these guys spiritually, but He never really changed who they are as a person. You know what I mean? Like Paul, you're talking about Paul here. Paul was the heavy hand. He was the enforcer on both sides. You know, before he was the guy, he was a super intelligent guy, uh, well-educated, went out persecuting Christians. People came to him for permission. And then once God got a hold of him and Jesus changed his heart, he was the exact same person, but for Christ. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was the heavy hand. He was the one out preaching the gospel, pushing it as hard as he could. And he gained this massive following. And he was still this very well-educated person who knew the scripture. He knew Hebrew. He knew Greek. He knew all the... He was. He could, he could relate to the Romans. I mean, there were so many great, fascinating things about Paul. And so God didn't say, hey, I'm going to save you and I want to change who you are. He saved his faith, but his personality remained the same. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I think the same thing for, um, I think the same thing for Ebed. Ebed was this Ethiopian guy. Regardless of whether whether he respected himself, I assume he did. I assume he 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 was still somewhat highly respected because he goes before a king, and he asks the king for help. Or at least he just tells him the situation. And one of the other things we're going to talk about is the resources. So he had the resources to go and ask for help, and he did. He received help. And because of his his grit, his courage... So I'll just go ahead and move on to the next one. Um, Ebed, had, he was a man filled with compassion and courage. God got a hold of him... And he used who he was and his strengths, and he pointed him the direction to go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He still lifted him up. He still blessed him on the way, but he still used his his courage and his compassion. And his compassion, you saw, was to go before a king and say, "Hey, like I need assistance." And he's he sends with Ebed like thirty men, and they go and save Jeremiah. And so it's not like he just went by himself. And so I just wanted to note that. Do you have anything to add to that? I just, I think it's, like we can see his boldness of, which we'll get to in a minute, of the four factors that Todd says makes, because he called Abed Malek, he, he referred to him as a walk-on hero, which I thought was kind of cool, yes. because he's a baseball fan. So like in baseball, you know, bottom of the last inning, the hero comes up and hits a walk-off. Well, this isn't like a walk-off, but this is a walk-on. So I thought that was cool. And then we'll get to the the four factors. But the first one was his boldness. And just like we were saying, he's a this guy's a nobody. He's There's no significance to him. Nobody knows probably even who this man is. But he's bold enough to go confront a king and be like, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Like, to... I don't know. That takes a lot of boldness to go stand up to a king and say, this isn't right. You need to do something about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, so that, that was the other thing that was mentioned today. Um, I wrote down, be who you are. God can use you as you are. Um, I believe that God wants to use every single person 
and there are so many strengths that people have uh, as far as our personality goes. Like, if we were all the same person, like, if we're all Matthew Trollingers, like, this world would be kind of boring. Mm-hmm. But if you have people who are um, different in their own ways and can serve God and His needs in different ways, I mean, you have the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears and the mouth and and the lungs and the heart. Like, you have different parts of the body of Christ functioning in different ways in the world. And that one thing that I thought growing up was I had a really good friend back in the day, uh, back when I was in junior high and even when I was a freshman in high school. I had a really good friend who was super funny, and I thought he was the funniest guy. And there were times when... There were times whenever he would, he was funny or he was kind of out of pocket at times because he, he would say things that were inappropriate, but sometimes those inappropriate things were the, were the reasons why it was funny. Mm-hmm. But I, I always thought to myself, like, what if this guy, you know, was a full-on, you know, believer and he devoted his life and his, his personality to Christ like, think about how he could use his personality to glorify the Lord. So his, if, if he's, if he's um, a jokester or whatever. Like, Tim Hawkins. Tim Hawkins is a... Uh, you know who Tim Hawkins is? Mm-hmm, the comedian? Yes. Yeah. He's a comedian who literally uses his gift. Whether, and he includes singing. He includes... I'm pretty sure he was a worship pastor. But he's also a super funny guy. And God got a hold of his heart, and now he's traveling around the world doing comedy shows. Mm-hmm. But they're Christian comedy shows for the, for you and your family. Like, I just think that's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, that goes along with the next thing I wrote down, which is, a bed was ready to be used by God. Yeah. So, like, no matter where he was at, uh, he was ready to be used. And then he found that opportunity and was like, hey, this is it. This is yeah. what I need to do. Yeah. I've got this gift. Now I found my place to use it. Another thing I wrote right there with that is, if God uses imperfect people all throughout the Bible, why do we think God won't use us or can't use us? Right. Like, like you There's just no said. Reason. I mean, literally, all ends of the earth, like all different limbs of the body of Christ, can be used by all of us who are completely different people. Absolutely. I think He wants to use us in different ways. Because if we were, like I said, just if we were all the same, like life would be really boring. Mm-hmm. But he wants to use you and your and your personality and your experiences. And like I get that some of us have heartbreaking experiences, but man, some of the, some some people out there have the best story to tell. They have the absolute best story to tell. There's no reason for them to keep their testimony to themselves, especially if they could use it to lead people to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul was. And that's what um, Ebed was, Ebed, Ebed Malek. He, these are guys that had great stories to tell, and they, didn't, they weren't ashamed of it. Like they, they were probably ashamed in a way of like they used to live a sinful life or you know this life that's completely different back in the day, but they still use that to their advantage because it's their testimony. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think it's important, like, to be ready for that. Yes. Like, it's important to know your testimony and be able to share it. Just like Ebed right here, 
Like he he didn't hesitate. As soon as he saw what was going on and it was wrong, he went straight to the king. What if he yes. had hesitated? What if he waited and was like, I, you know, I don't, I'm not somebody who can talk to this king. Right. What if he waits one day? Jeremiah's in this hole starving to death. Does Jeremiah make it out? What, what happens to the rest of this book of Jeremiah if this prophet dies because this one man wasn't ready to be used by God? I think it's really easy. I'm trying to make this applicable because I think it's really easy for people to turn their face and ignore the situation. They're not the ones starving. They're not the ones down in that hole. They're not the ones, you know, that were living according to God's will and said that they would go wherever God told them to go. And so, like, it's really easy for people at times to turn their face from tragedy and not do anything about it. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. You know what I mean? Like you're, like you're saying, he didn't. But what if he did? Yeah, how different would this story look? Absolutely. If just one of any of these instances, what if Abraham wasn't ready to be used by God? What if Moses wasn't ready? Yeah, I mean, any of these people, like, the story would look so different. If they weren't ready. Absolutely. And I think you you definitely still see parts of their hesitation in their life. Like Moses, um, I'm pretty sure, I can't remember if he mentioned it today or if I'm getting my sermons mixed up here, but he, uh, I remember someone talking about, and for sure, I know, I, I read this, and Moses, he goes and saves Israel, he tries and save Israel, and he tells Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let, my, let God's people go. And he warns, warns him of all the things that are, that are going to happen if he doesn't. And instead of Pharaoh letting the people go, he hardens his heart and he doubles the work for Israel. Mm-hmm. And he made their labor worse. And so Moses goes back to God and says, God, why did you do this to this people? Like, why did you make me come all the way over here? And he starts blaming God. Mm-hmm. Or, or he He's starts like, I did what you told me to do. Yeah. Why didn't you do what you said you were going to yes. do? You didn't hold up your end of the deal. Right. And so that's where he was. And Israel, they were slaves, and so their, their labor was worse, and it was, it was doubled. And so they are complaining to Moses and said, because of you, like we're, we're in now worse than we once were. Mm-hmm. If you would have just kept your mouth shut, they were willing just to, at that point, probably just willing to be, you know, yeah, they'd have been slaves the rest of their life yeah. and been content with it. And so, but I think it's through that situation that, for one, he strengthened Moses' faith. He strengthened the faith of Israel. And God was glorified that day. Mm-hmm. Because whenever they followed Moses, they followed him all the way across the Jordan, down to the very last person. Like there wasn't a single person that died traveling out. God protected mm-hmm. all of them, and all their faith was right there being ushered in, ushered across the, the river by Moses. And so I know we're getting off a little track, off track here. Um, but yes, I, his boldness and um, his willingness, and you know, he could have easily changed his mind. He could have easily said no, but he didn't. I wanted to find... Somewhere in Matthew 10, I didn't, I didn't write which verse it was. I'm going to see if I can find it real quick. Was it the one about righteousness? Or was it a different one? Um, 
It's about standing up for yeah, for what's right. So okay, it says it right here, uh, ten thirty-two. Where it says, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. So I just, I thought that was interesting to go along with this of like, when we stand up for what's right, then Christ says that he will also stand up for us. Absolutely. But if we don't, right after that, in that next verse, it says, he who denies me before man, I will also deny before my Father. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that kind of, that kind of relates here of like, of, of kind of, I don't know, I look at it of standing up for what's right versus, like you said, just turning a blind eye to it and, well, I didn't, you know, wasn't my problem. Didn't have anything to do with me. That's such a scary verse. (laughs) It really is. Like, if you really think about it, because you're talking about every situation in your life. You know how easy it would be to deny Christ at your workplace um, and small instances in your faith. Like, like let's just, for example, um, there's a kid that we know that's battling cancer right now. It's actually, his name is going around all across, you know, all across Oklahoma. He's down in Texas. And, um, like, People are praying for this guy, like, heavily. And he's, you see his life, it looks like it's slowly dwindling away. And just, like, bits and pieces of him are just slowly dying, right? And, but yet you see this strong faith in people to pray. But if someone were to ask, let's just say his mom or his wife or his best friend, like ask them like even in his current state do you believe that god can heal him mend his wounds back together and completely heal him i think i think there are going people that say yes 100% god can do that mm-hmm. but i also believe that there there would be people out there who would deny that i feel like there would be people out there that would say that would say yes but only if it's god's will to do that and i feel like I feel like there's a gap there in that faith. I feel like it should be a straight answer. It's a yes or no. Mm -hmm. But yet we give ourselves reason to say, well, I believe God could do it. I just don't think he would do it for me. Right. And I think that, I really think there's a huge gap as far as that goes. Like we should believe that if God can do something, he's going to do it for everyone. He's not, he's not circumstantial He's not going to bless you because he loves you more than he loves me. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to curse someone because this person lived a sinful life. We all lived a sinful life. Mm -hmm. Like Paul lived a sinful life. And yet he used um, a murdering Christian, like a Christian or a person who murdered Christians and then turned him into one, turned him into someone who wrote half the New Testament. Yeah. Like, I just feel like that's not a logical answer for people to use. And so I feel like like our faith has to be so pure. Read that verse again. I've, I Read that verse one more time. Sorry. The verse in Matthew? Yes. 
It says, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. I think that goes for every situation in your life. Every situation. It's not just a, a plain, I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I, be, I think it's more than that. I believe it's, it's like, do you believe in the power of, of Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe in healing? Do you believe in miracles that were performed and miracles that can still continue to be performed? We live in a generation where people want healing and they want to see it happen and they question why it doesn't happen. And for whatever reason, I mean, that's God's decision to make to see healing come to life like Jesus did when he would, when he brought Lazarus back from the dead or whenever he mended a guy's ear back to his face. I mean, like God has those same capabilities today, but we can't say he just doesn't want to do it to us Mm -hmm. because we're sinners or because our faith isn't strong or whatever. Like, it, I believe it has to be a straight answer. Yes, I believe God is capable. I believe Jesus is capable. And just run, run, rounding all of this back to um, Jeremiah and Ebed, like, your faith cannot waver. Like, you have to make a decision right then and right there. Are you going to save Jeremiah or are you not? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it comes down to. And so, luckily for him, he chose right. Right? (laughs) (laughs) The only other thing I had on on that while we're talking about that verse in Matthew is, like you said, this kind of applies to all aspects and all situations. And like the, where it says, whoever denies me before men, like I don't even think that just means, if somebody says, do you believe in Jesus? And you say no. Like, I don't, I don't think it's that simple all the time either. I think it goes down even to the smallest of things. Like, if somebody's, if you're in a situation and you hear somebody, like, you know, just degrading, trying to degrade on God or say how he's not real, or if you don't stand up for that and be like, no, you're wrong. Like, this is what I believe. This is who I believe in. Like, just letting that go and letting them deny and then you not standing up for God. Absolutely. I feel like that falls in the same category as denying. Like whether I, you say you deny or not, the fact that you didn't stand up for your God, your creator, like that's that's denial in itself. I believe I do believe that is true. I, I, I think it's really again, it's really easy to turn your face and just ignore the situation. It's really easy because that's happened to me a, a few times. Mm-hmm. And I haven't said anything, but it's it's definitely offended me. And I always think back to that that situation afterwards, and I'm like, why did I say something? Yeah, I've had the same situation, same thing. It's like, man, I had an opportunity right there. Yeah. Why did I not take that opportunity? One one of the best feelings that I've ever had was we were I was in Colorado, and we were helping out at some um, homeless organization. And I was asking a silly question, and because I asked a silly question because I was just a dumb freshman at this time in high school, I asked a dumb question, and the lady called me ignorant. 
to my face <laughs> to a bunch of, to like 15, 20 other people around. And it, it kind of put me in my place. It shocked me and it put me in my place. It was like, was not expecting that, <laughs> but it was still a legit question. It was just more on the, like, it was a dumb question. It legit was, but one of the best feelings was looking over and I saw one of my friends who was on that mission trip and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Cruz is not ignorant. He's just being funny. He's cool. He's, he's, you know, he's just here on having a mission trip. He's excited. And he backed me up. And even whether it was a dumb question or not, like he knew that she had no right to call me ignorant. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the best feelings that I ever experienced was someone backing me up. And not that God needs you to back him up, but oh my gosh, like I love the Lord so much and yeah, I would protect him and I would, I would want to protect his name and be willing to step out and say, listen, like my God is not who you think he is. He's powerful Mm -hmm. and he's loving and he's gracious and he's merciful and he has a hard side. He has our hard hand at times. And I just think people don't realize that all the way. And so I just to just to even just agree with you. Yes, I believe that. <laughs> and that's just that just shows like, like you said, God has a hard hand at times, but God is also loving and graceful. So that shows that our God has emotion. Yes. So whether He needs us to stand up for Him or not, you know that has to make Him happy. Absolutely. Because He He is emotional. He's an emotional God. He absolutely He cares about us. One of the so we're going over. Um, Second, we're going over Timothy, mm-hmm. chapter one, as a house church. And one thing that Paul writes, because he's writing this letter to Timothy, he says, he says, um, be aware of these teachers, these false teachers that are, they're devoting themselves to these, um, they're devoting themselves to these teachings and they have no clue what they're talking about and they have no clue what they mean but yet they devote themselves to it, and all they do is cause confusion and chaos. He says, be aware of them and correct them. And he says, one of the things that he mentions about them is that um, he brings up the law. Like, like, not just, you know, you can't drink before you're 21. You can't, you know, drugs are illegal. Not that kind of law. This is God's law. The Ten Commandments, the... Um, the, mo- the, the laws that the, like Jews were given from the very beginning. He was talking about that law. And he says that these, the, these teachers were teaching the law, but they have no clue what it's for. The law was designed not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that, now you're saying to yourself, God, God isn't trying to give those who are righteous, those who are believers, like rules and laws and things that you can't do. He wants you to live in a, in a free filled life, but it's, but the law is there for those who are wicked, those who are lawless, those who, and he goes on a list a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. And so it's for correction. And so yes, God has a hard hand, but only because there are those who are wicked only towards those who, who have no clue that they're straying further and further away from God. And honestly, he's just trying to warn them because if, like at the end of this entire span of life, like you're going to spend either eternity in heaven with him or eternity in hell. Mm-hmm. And so the, that's what the law is there for. And I feel like there's, 
I don't know. That was just brought to my mind for some reason. And that's like, that's the beauty in our God too, is like he will never do anything to interrupt our free will. No matter what, any circumstance in life, you can't think of one circumstance that God would interrupt your free will. He might give you warnings and, and give you signs of, hey, if you keep falling this way, this is what's going to happen. But he will never interrupt you and force you to make a decision. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's how loving he is. He's not a dictator. Mm-hmm. He's not every now and then he might slap you beside the head with a spiritual two by four. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he's not, he's not a dictator and says, Cruz, if you don't do this, if you don't follow me, you're going to die. Like, I'm just going to end your life right here. He's, mm-hmm. he's not like that. He lets you, there are billions of people on this world who are living their own life and he has not stopped them. But he's placed the gospel in front of them for them to decide what they believe. So one thing that, um, that I wrote down that I thought was amazing. It was a beautiful, like, comparison. So, Abimelech, or Embed, he shows up, and he throws, he shows up with, like, 30, 30 different soldiers. And he throws this rope down into the cistern. And Elijah's looking up. I can just picture this in my head. He looks up, and he sees these ropes being thrown down, and he sees this, just he sees this Ethiopian's head peek down in this hole. And I can just imagine them saying, climb up. Like, we're here to save you. We're here to rescue you. And the comparison that Todd made this morning was, Jesus did that for us. Mm-hmm. We were the ones down in this cistern, down in the mud, down, down there left for dead, down there left with no food, no water, because the world just wants us dead. It doesn't matter who you are. But yet Jesus comes along with him and his cohort and he throws down his rope and he says, climb up. I'm here to rescue you. But you have to decide for yourself if you are going to climb up that rope. I just thought that was the most beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. That's a really good picture. I like that too. So that's all I got to add. You got anything? I'm going to add one more thing to that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So the rags... Before he dropped this rope down, he went and got rags and clothing. And he got that rags and clothing to give to Jeremiah and told him, hey, put this between you and the rope because this rope's going to hurt. If you wrap this rope around you, it's going to burn. It's going to cut you. But he, sh- he had the compassion to go stop and make sure he had rags for him so he wouldn't get hurt. And same thing with Jesus, like, that's the compassion that God has for us. That not only did he send Jesus to die for us, but he gives us rags too. Like we have comfort in him. It's not all painful. Yes. Dude, that's awesome. I don't know. I, I just, just love I, my God. Me too. I just God's love amazing. Jesus. We'll just end God's it on so that. Good. That's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really top that. <laughs> um, for real though, that's all I have to add. If y'all have any other questions, please feel free and reach out to us. Um, People are reaching out to us through Spotify, through Apple Podcast. And so if you can't find that, it should be just search it somehow. (laughs) Go Google it. (laughs) I can't really explain it to you over over this. But um, there are ways for you to reach out to us and ask questions. But our main goal is for you 
to know more about the gospel and us to be able to better explain certain things. Just like we talked about before, like it's easy to read a passage and think not much of it. Mm-hmm. But we want to sit sit down and bring it to life. So thank you guys for joining. We'll see you next week. Adios. Adios.